0: Welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Movin' Out. doing i hope that if you celebrate christmas that you had a merry christmas i hope that if you celebrate hanukkah that you had a happy hanukkah if you do not celebrate any specific holiday but enjoy the holiday season let's say i hope that you had a happy holiday season if you don't celebrate any particular holiday or you had a bad holiday a bad holiday oh no i hope you are safe and are able to find comfort and or stability, soon I am thinking of you, I am keeping you in my brain. You are all swimming around in my juicy, juicy brain pan. I do have a lot of points, I do have a lot of points that I like to address here in the opening segment, First, I would like to say rest in peace to Rebecca Luker of The Phantom of the Opera, The Secret Garden, Showboat, The Sound of Music, The Music Man, Nine, Mary Poppins, Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, and Fun Home. We recently lost Rebecca, and so we are keeping her in our thoughts as well. Our juicy, juicy brain pans. Also, rest in peace to Anne Reimking, who appeared in the original Broadway productions of Cabaret, Pippin, and A Chorus Line. Line, served as the co director and co choreographer of future podcast subject Fossey and appeared in such major motion pictures as All That Jazz, Wonderful Picture, and the 1982 adaptation of Annie. You know, we've lost many people from the theatrical community since the podcast began in January 2019, and we want to make sure their names and legacies are properly, consistently honored. So rest in peace to all. All of those we have lost, Carol Channing, Nick Cordero, Matt Crowley, Jerry Herman, Terrence McNally, Hal Prince, Adam Schlesinger, and Tony Tanner. Your contributions, accomplishments, and histories will not be forgotten. Of course, that is not a complete list, I'm sure. Just know that we here at The Musical Man are doing our best to honor everyone who has contributed to this great canon, this great history of theater, and we will continue to do so. Now, speaking of when the podcast began, yes, speaking of when the podcast began, our second podcast anniversary, podcast anniversary, is coming up on January 2nd. Yes, our second anniversary. We're all going to wear little hats. Yes, I'm looking at you, Patty and Betty in the Zoom. We're going to wear little hats. And I don't care what the hats look like. They don't have to be party hats or anything like that. I would just like us all to have a small hat. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) I cannot be the kind of person. No, that's just making me think of my day job and how certain teams have fun themes for their team parties. Team themes. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, God. No, never mind. We're not following up on that. That is not what we are going to do. (laughs) But speaking of our team, oh my gosh, Benny's birthday is coming up. Oh goodness, January is such a busy month for us. Our second anniversary and Benny's birthday is coming up on January 14th. He is turning 27 years old. He's engaged. Oh, my Benny, my little baby Benny. Oh goodness gracious, I'm having trouble coming up with a birthday present for Benny, but I'll figure it out. (laughs) God help me, I need to figure it out. Patty's birthday is February 3rd, so birthday presents are on my mind right now. We just came out of Christmas. Oh, goodness gracious. Christmas, the present season. And now I have to come up with birthday presents. I I make it seem as if I'm (laughs) somehow inconvenienced by this process, but I'm not. I'm actually really looking forward to it. Thank you as always to Patty and Betty for everything they do. And I I could not have gotten through this last year of the podcast without them my goodness gracious this has been a very difficult year when it comes to producing content because you know half the time you feel like you can't get out of bed so much as produce an entire episode of podcasting (laughs) an episode of podcasting so uh, again thank you so much for getting me out of that bed and into into this seat getting my butt into this seat okay so let's Why don't we just move out of the opening segment and get some show facts regarding Movin' Out. Show me the show facts regarding Movin' Out. Okay, all right. Movin' Out, let's see here. Movin' Out was a 2003 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. Okay, it opened on October 24th, 2002 at the Richard Rogers Theater and ran for 1,303 performances. It is currently the 77th longest-running show in Broadway history, sitting between School of Rock at number 76, 1,303, Nine performances and Brighton Beach Memoirs at number seventy-eight, one thousand two hundred and ninety-nine performances. Uh, what is that? A Neil Simon play? It's about some white guy who goes to a I don't know a boarding house on the beach, gets laid. I don't know. Comes into a baseball mitt. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Those Neil Simon plays could go kick rocks. The Book of moving Out. Who wrote the book? Well, no one, because there is no book. The music and lyrics were written by Mr. Billy Joel. You're gonna hear his name a lot throughout this episode, so just get ready for that. The director of the production was Twyla Tharp. There was no musical director, but the choreographer was, hey, here she is again, Twyla Tharp. She also received a Conceived By credit. The scenic design, Santo Laquosto, And again, I do apologize if I'm mispronouncing any first or surnames. Lighting design, Donald Holder. Sound design, Brian Ruggles. And Peter J. Fitzgerald Ruggles. What a a wonderful, delightful last name. Costume design, Susie Benzinger. And the original Broadway cast included Benjamin G. Bowman, Michael Cavanaugh, Elizabeth Parkinson, Keith Roberts, John Salia, Ashley Tuttle, and Scott Wise. Tony nods. Okay, so the production won Best Choreography, Twyla Tharp, and Best Orchestrations, Stuart Molina and Billy Joel, who is not an EGOT. Billy Joel is not an EGOT. You would think that he is. You would think that he is, but he's not. He's not. The production was also additionally, also additionally redundant, nominated for Best Musical, of course, but also Best Actor in a Musical, John Salia. Best Actress in a Musical, Elizabeth Parkinson. Best Featured Actor in a Musical, Keith Roberts. Best Featured Actor in a Musical, Michael Cavanaugh. Best Featured Actress in a Musical, Ashley. Tuttle, Best Lighting Design Donald Holder, and Best Direction of a Musical Twyla Tharp. So in sum total, 10 nominations, two awards at the end of the day. Now, I totally forgot to provide a Tony Award summation for our last subject, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. I gave you the rundown on what the show won and was nominated for but did not win, but we did not do that nice little summation at the end where we did some math. We we added everything up. So here, here's, here's that little wrap-up. That production, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder also received ten nominations. It has that in common with moving out. And that show took home four awards, okay? Alright, so we're cleaning things up. Tying off loose ends. That's what I like to tie up a loose end. (laughs) It makes my brain go, ah, for about two seconds and then my brain goes, ah! That's how my brain works! What you have to understand about Movin' Out is that it isn't a standard jukebox musical so much as it is an enormous dance piece set to the music of Billy Joel. Michael Cavanaugh provided lead vocals as a member of the show's onstage band, which stood apart from the world inhabited by its dancers. The dancers do not talk and they do not sing, which leaves Cavanaugh to serve as our narrator. Moving Out follows the lives of Brenda, Eddie, James, Judy, and Tony, a tight-knit group of Long Island kids who come of age in the 1960s. Those who are familiar with Billy Joel would likely recognize these names from his catalog. Brenda and Eddie, for example, are a young couple featured in Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. James is a self-serious man of education showcased in the song James. Judy of Why Judy Why?" fame is the girl who got away, and Tony is a working-class fellow who appears in the show's title number. Together, they face the horrors of the Vietnam War while doing their best to survive. That's about as much as I can glean from the summaries I found online, which isn't terribly surprising, all things considered. Wikipedia describes the show as a rock ballet, a phrase that would indicate the nuts and bolts of the narrative aren't as important as the mood established by Twyla Tharp's direction and choreography. This wasn't the first or the last time Miss Tharp would combine classic and modern dance with popular music. Tharp choreographed Deuce Coupe for the Joffrey Ballet in 1973. They still perform it to this day. The piece, which was set to the music of the Beach Boys, is often cited as the first crossover ballet, due to its combination of old and new school dance techniques. Tharp achieved blank check status in the wake of move announced success, and when Bob Dylan approached her with the idea of turning his catalog into a dance musical, she took the idea and and ran with it. Unfortunately, lightning did not strike twice. Tharp spent two and a half years creating The Times They Are a-Changin', a self-described action-adventure fable set in the dreamlike world of a circus. The show closed on Broadway after 26 performances. Tharp's most recent Broadway venture, the Frank Sinatra dance musical Come Fly Away, fared slightly better, logging 188 performances before going on tour. All told, Tharp is a pioneer in her craft with over one 150 theatrical film and television credits to her name, and so attention must be paid. We salute you, Twyla Tharp. For the purposes of this week's episode, I listened to the 2002 original Broadway cast album of Movin' Out. I also watched the 2003 Tony Awards performance of The River of Dreams slash Keeping the Faith slash Only the Good Die Young. I don't have much to say about that performance. I didn't take any detailed notes. The dancing is Quite obviously, so athletic and so infused with raw talent. Not raw talent, very refined talent. But after a while, I'm just going to be honest with you. After a while, the blur of bodies, Twilight Tharp, you know, her style seems to be not chaotic. I wouldn't describe it as messy or chaotic, but there are all these layers that are simultaneously crashing into each other. There is this sort of hurly burly quality to it. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's chaotic, but it is. It's this storm. It's this. It's this blustery, hurly-burly of bodies moving through the space, and you have these little pockets of people sort of doing their own thing. It's very fascinating to watch for a couple of minutes, but then after a while, it's almost as if your brain glazes over. Your brain tells you like we get it. (laughs) You really don't have any control over that moment when your brain just sort of clicks over and goes. Yeah, we get it I don't know if there's anything necessarily we need to process beyond this point So we're just going to go into a bit of an autopilot when it comes to being a a theater goer a viewer from the audience's Perspective and, and that's really all I have to say about that very small slice of the show that we are given I will say this after the performance after the Performance is over we do see Eddie Izzard Eddie Izzard who recently 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 announced her preferred pronouns, so it was very fascinating to see Eddie Izzard in the audience. But we also see Twilight Tharp, of course, but we also see Philip Seymour Hoffman talk about a rest in peace. I also tried, I did, I tried watching a, a bootleg that's available on YouTube, but it was an absolute nightmare experience, and I gave up after about, oh, I'd say three minutes I just, I can't deal with theatrical bootlegs. The camera is just constantly moving. And oh my God, it's from 2000, you know, it's from 2002, 2003. So the video quality ain't exactly uh, great. It's just a bunch of candle-like blurs, just a bunch of strange candle-like blobs. I know some people are really into watching bootlegs, but I do not like it. No, thank you. Subject, I often found myself confused as to what was and was not included as part of the band's setlist. For example, a couple of songs featured in the early Chicago run of Movin' Out were removed when the show went to Broadway, and that's easy enough to process, right? A lot of changes are made on the road to New York. Here's another example, though. If you go by the cast album, the opening number would appear to be scenes from an Italian restaurant, which you just heard, but the Internet Broadway database hands that distinction to it's still rock and roll to me. So why is rock and roll not included on the album? Was it simply a matter of not Having enough space? Why are you keeping this for me? It's just one more track. <laughs> and what's the deal with Piano Man? Wikipedia claims it was part of the show, but the song isn't on the album and the IBDB makes no mention of it. Does the IBDB setlist only represent? What was played on opening night? Was Piano Man added to that set list at some later date? I am so flummoxed. We'll return to the subject of what deserves to be in this show, but for now, I want to meditate on Italian Restaurant, as it is one of my favorite Billy Joel tunes. Spoiler alert, while I would absolutely describe myself as a fan, I'm not the sort of hardcore Billy Joel devotee who can speak up for the deep cuts. My fandom begins and ends with the great hits, and I'm not ashamed of that. You can get a lot out of the greatest hits. <laughs> I enjoy Italian Restaurant because it's every Billy Joel mood tucked into one extra-long track. He's wistful, he's romantic, he's kicking back, he's rocking out and going to extremes. The important question is whether or not lead vocalist Michael Cavanaugh can live up to the standards set by Mr. Billy Joel. I would say that, yes, Kavanaugh is a talented performer with a range that allows him, you know, to keep up with the material, but why can't we have multiple vocalists? That's what I want to know. Would that have upset the apple cart in some terrible way? We don't have to limit ourselves to one white guy simply because one white guy wrote and recorded all of these songs. Frankly, I could have stood to hear a fresh voice after a while. Maybe a woman? Ho, ho, ho! Yeah! Whoa! I know, what a wild idea! A woman singing Billy Joel material? I'm telling you, when I go out on a limb, I go out there, dude. P.S. We have to shout out the saxophone players John Scarpula and Scott Kreitzer. The sax is the best part of any Billy Joel track on which it happens to appear, and these sax maniacs are sending me to the moon and back. Ho, ho ho, play it again, Scarpula! Play it again, Kreitzer! Wee will woo wee woo That's my impression of a sax. Or Villa Dieste is one of several piano compositions moving out lifts from Fantasies and Delusions, Billy Joel's 13th and final studio release. Using material from this wholly instrumental album is a good idea on paper. It breaks up the non stop stream of radio hits and gives the audience a chance to breathe. I would only say that the style of music heard on Fantasies and Delusions is not really in keeping with that of the radio hits. Moving out of waltz number one, Nunley's Carousel, and into We Didn't Start the Fire is a particularly jarring transition, and perhaps that's the whole point, but I'm not watching Moving Out for brazen artistry. Daddy wants to hear the hits. Stop upsetting daddy. Why isn't the root beer rag in this show? Now that's in keeping with the overall style. Patience, Jonathan. You will have your chance to suggest your own set list. Patience, patience, patience. Uptown Girl is wrong. I don't want to be right. Do I consider it to be the best Billy Joel song of all time? Yes. Yes, I do. Uptown Girl slaps. It honks. It fawks. Nothing else in the canon can ever hope to compare. And I have to say, this is a damn fine cover, so good job, everyone. Of course, I would rather listen to the original, but if I have to go with the Xerox, go with it. I shall side note... This track is preceded by a 30-second version of The Longest Time, which is about as much of The Longest Time as anyone would ever need. That's right, I said it. The Longest Time is overlong and overrated. We get it, Billy. You're in pastiche mode, but you've done better. Uptown Girl, for example.
1: the only times I've ever known, and I believe there is a time for meditation in cathedrals of our own, now I can see the sad surrender in my lover's eyes, and I can only stand apart and sympathize. Our situations hand us it's see the sadness or euphoria.
0: album was a somewhat humbling experience, I must say. I used to think of myself as knowing basically everything there was to know about the Billy Joel discography. I owned the Greatest Hits album, I've been a front-to-back fan of The Stranger since I was in college, and I even own Fantasies and Delusions. That's pretty comprehensive, right? Well, no, not really, as it turns out there are a great many Billy Joel songs I had never heard until this week, and like I said, I'm comfortable with my status as a semi- casual, semi-committed acolyte, but I do wish I had heard Summer, Highland Falls, at an earlier point in my life. This is a lovely song. Unfortunately, I cannot say as much for the other songs I was exposed to this week, and that would probably explain why I never ventured into Billy Joel's deeper waters. And that's okay! Not every Billy Joel track was written with me in mind. It's no one's fault! I forgive everyone, despite it not being anyone's fault!
1: I retune the dark Day, Red China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, call to it, your toe to Maggio. Joe Ball's not the richer, next to the bacon, television, North Korea, South Korea, Marilyn Monroe, Rosenberg, Sage, Bomb, Sugar Ray, Penrose, John, Brando, the king, and I, and I capture it the right. I somehow power, a vaccine, the thing I've gotta do. Payo Kennedy, show up ejectors I go, Delta to the Congo, Hemingway, I can stranger in the streams and hill in Berlin, Bay of Biggs invasion, Dormas of Arabia, British mania, Old Miss John Kennedy, this defeats Patterson, Pope Paul, Malcolm X, British politicians, sex JFK, blown away. Wallace do I
0: have to say it's not fire. Alright. Sit down, everyone sit down. We need to figure out what the hell happened with We Didn't Start the Fire, because this is not We Didn't Start the Fire. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can figure this out. Okay, did anyone here ask for the famously dopey song We Didn't Start the Fire to be turned into a barbed wire shrapnel nightmare straight out of Apocalypse Now? Hello, did anyone associate We Didn't Start the Fire with a bad acid trip? No, of course not. No, no one's raising their hand. This is how the song is supposed to sound, you fools. This is how it's supposed to sound. Hit it. It's THE world's has BEEN and- That's a corny and vital part of the song's DNA. You can't rip it out and expect the song to sound cool. We Didn't Start the Fire will never sound cool or scary. It's a nerd of a song, a big nerd. Let the song be a nerd or leave it alone. On the plus side, I'm happy to hear we've kept the references to South Pacific and The King and I because, well, this is a podcast about musicals and, well, we like to talk about musicals around here every now and again, so thank you. may be wrong about this, but I'm fairly certain Elegy for the Fisherman was written exclusively for this show. It doesn't appear on any of Billy's studio albums, and Google results consistently tie the piece to "Moving Out so I think it's safe to operate under this assumption. With that said, Elegy for the Fisherman struck me as quite strange and anachronistic, even more so than the material pulled from fantasies and delusions. I'll buy that the first minute of the track evokes a sleepy harbor town, you know, bearded boatmen, early mornings, ice cold lobster traps, or whatever the hell. Every instrument sounds as if it's being impersonated by a keyboard, and yet I am willing to look past that. But then we hit the minute mark, and suddenly the score is swelling like a balloon, bursting at the seams with an energy found in early '90s Oscar dramas. What is this? A fantasy sequence? The opening cutscene for a kid-friendly knockoff of *Myst*? <laughs> Only you have the power to defeat Queen Hydrangea and free the souls of her seven beautiful daughters, fair adventurer. But first. Solve this telescope puzzle. I hope you have a notebook handy. You'll want to take notes. (laughs) Lined paper, graph paper, that will be helpful. (laughs) I'm voiced by Laurence Olivier. I needed a check.
1: Stay home It gets myself into something
0: Enough with the Mr. Nice Guy routine. It's time for me to call out every Billy Joel song on this cast album that does not deserve to be in the show. And there are a lot of them, so listen up. Angry young man, get out of here. Big man on Mulberry Street, get the heck out of here. Pressure? Shameless? James? Do me a favor, you stinking jamokes. Get out of here, well, yeah. These songs are boring, bloated, and bad. BBB. Billy Joel may have been able to sell these tunes on Charm Alone, but Michael Cavanaugh is floundering, he is drowning, he has hit a wall, and we need to pull him out of this quagmire post-haste. So many metaphors. Big Man on Mulberry Street is exactly the sort of music your boomer dad would force you to listen to while trying out his new hi-fi stereo. It wouldn't be a casual listening experience, either. You gotta listen to the music. Really listen! Can't you see what he's doing here? You think Van Halen and Boy George can write like this? You know what? You're grounded. Daddy needs to take a drive around the block! To be fair, a lot of people would characterize the entire Billy Joel canon as boomer dad music, but I had never felt the need to cringe in the face of a Billy Joel song until this week. I mean, for crying out loud, Mulberry Street does not know when to call it quits. Wrap it up already. I almost included tracks like Goodnight Saigon and Captain Jack on my list of songs that needed to be cut from the show, but I respect their popularity too much to make that particular call. People are willing to fight for those songs, and I admire them for that, even if Captain Jack does include the lyrics, So you play your albums and you smoke your pot, and you meet your girlfriend in the parking lot. I clearly don't remember the melody. Like, Dad, could you hit the word pot harder and you smoke your pot? We get it, you smoked one joint behind the campus library when you were 19. You lived your life to the fullest, Dad. We get it, Jerry. so-called helicopter on the Goodnight Saigon track, why does it sound like a child's toy? I, I could go on all day about how Goodnight Saigon is decidedly not my jam, how we need to stop dramatizing the Vietnam War on Broadway, via Broadway musicals, and so on and so forth, but at the end of the day, when all is said and done, when Bush comes to shove, I need someone to explain why the helicopter sounds that stupid. Pay for actual helicopter audio, you jumokes. That is actual helicopter audio. No, it isn't. Stop lying to me. Okay, that's all I have to say regarding the moving out score for what it is. I am now going to throw it over to our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678 Coffee.
2: My little poochie. (laughs) It's me, the Grunch, okay? Alright, you're an old dog. You're an old dog. I don't know. Can you see me? Hello there. You smell me. You smell me. I smell like like fish skeletons. Oh, Max, I need you to do me a favor, my friend. I'm feeling very sad. I'm the Grunch. It's after Christmas, and now we have to wait for another year for Christmas to come around. Can you imagine that, Max? Can you even understand me? I'm speaking in Grunch talk. Can you understand me, Max? (laughs) You know, I used to hate the Christmas. I used to hate to Christmas, but now I love to Christmas, and now Christmas is coming, gone. And I, I think to myself, oh, what a terrible world that doesn't have Christmas in it. I, I cry slimy tears, slimy gritty tears. Oh, it's terrible, Max. They burn my fur as they go down my face. And I'm all stopped up. I'm all stopped up, Max, from all the tension and anxiety. I have IBS. I actually have IGS, internal grunge syndrome. Uh, you don't want to see my stomach. Max. Oh my god, my stomach is nothing more than an HR Geiger monstrosity. It's a bunch of swirling, twirling, greasy tubes. Oh, it's disgusting. Max, Max! Do me a favor, I need a 5-6-7-8 coffee fix. I need you to go make me a cup of coffee the size of my head. Make it filled to the brim with 5 6 7 eight coffee. Oh, that's the only thing that's gonna get me out of this, ooh, this Christmas grumpy mood that I'm in, Max. Now go be a good boy. Go, go get it, Max, go! Oh god, now I'm alone again. Oh, I'm alone again. Oh, what am I gonna do? I'm the grunge. I just gotta remember, okay, just tell yourself that Christmas is coming again. And you know, at a certain point, you're gonna poop again. Ah, just keep telling yourself that grunge. Tell your greasy, slimy, green brain that Christmas will come again. And here comes Max with the coffee. With five, six, seven, eight coffee for the grunge. Yum, mm, yum! I can already feel my block. It's clearing it up, Max. Oh, thank you for much. Good little doggy. Ooh, good little doggy. Thank you for helping the grunts. Ooh, Ooh boy. oh boy. Ho ho ho! <laughs> Make way, little Max. Get out of the way. I hope we don't need to use the toilet for the next four hours. Cause that one sip of delicious 5678 coffee is making my tummy grumble. Ooh, there's gonna be a mudslide, Max. A slimy double dare. yakety yak, don't talk gack. Slimy mudslide. Get out of my way, Max. I love you very much, but you do not want to be around. You do not want to be around when this comes out, brother. This is the Grunge saying goodbye. And, you know, five, six, seven, eight coffee. You can count on it to make your bowels all slimy and liquidy. And you can count on me to see you next Christmas. Who am I talking to? I'm the Grunge.
0: Final thoughts regarding "Moving Out. To review, here are the songs that do not deserve to be included in "Moving Out. I know I already said this once, but we're saying it again. Angry Young Man, Big Man on Mulberry Street, Pressure, Shameless, and James. Goodbye, get out of here. Get rid of these non-starters and make room for the songs that actually kick ass. To that end, here are the 25 Billy Joel songs, I believe, are truly worthy of inclusion, listed in alphabetical order. Thank you very much. Allentown, All About Soul, Big Shot, Captain Jack, The Entertainer, Everybody Has a Dream, Get It Right the First Time, Goodnight Saigon, An Innocent Man, I Go to Extremes, It's Still Rock and Roll to Me, Just the Way You Are, Keeping the Faith, The Longest Time, Moving Out, Anthony's Song, New York State of Mind, Only the Good Die Young, Piano Man, I think Piano Man, I should say, I'll pump the brakes for a second, that should serve as the show's encore, After the Bows. Continuing, we have The River of Dreams, Say Goodbye to Hollywood, She's Always a Woman Slash... She's Got a Way. Ah, yes, I'm cheating. We're doing a mashup of those two songs. And we also have Scenes from an Italian Restaurant, The Stranger, Tell Her About It, and Uptown Girl. I would also include Root Beer Rag as an overture. And if you're feeling frisky, if you're feeling frisky, why not throw in these as well? All for Lena, The Downeaster Alexa, Leave a Tender Moment Alone, A Matter of Trust, Miami 2017, See the Lights Go Out on Broadway, Vienna, and you may be right why not why not throw all of the songs in there what are we worried the story won't be able to support this many songs here's a news flash for you no one cares about the story so you might as well lean even harder even harder into the idea that this is a strict dance show stage self-contained dance sequences a la and rankings Fosse. hello hello Anne. There, I fixed moving out. I may be right, I may be crazy. Oh, but I just might be the lunatic you're looking for. Come to think of it, I may not be as casual a fan of Billy Joel as I once thought. I clearly have some very strong opinions about his body of work. Now, as a reminder for your edification, the 2003 winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Hairspray, and the additional nominees that season were more and A Year with Frog and Toad. So at this point, the only show from this season that we have not covered is A Year with Frog and Toad. I still say that Hairspray deserves to keep its medallion, okay? It's the strongest show out of the set. For all I know, I will fall head over heels with A Year with Frog and Toad, but we will cross that bridge when we get to it, my lady. My lady! It is now time for me to rank Movin' Out against all of the other shows we have talked about here on the podcast. As always, if you want to see that list, our ranking, go to twitter.com slash musicalmanpod, go to our likes section. The first tweet in that like section will be a link to a Google Sheet. You'll want to click on the second tab. That's where our ranking is, okay? Now, we have not done this in a very, very long time, but I am going to place, moving out, in the Phantom Zone. It is a special place reserved for all of the shows that just don't have enough material on record, enough material that is accessible to me, the musical man, for me to really make an official declaration on how they compare to all of the other shows we've talked about here on the podcast, okay? The other shows in the Phantom Zone at this time are Big Deal, James Joyce's The Dead, Quilters, Merlin, and After Midnight. And Moving Out is gonna have to go Go in there with him, because listening to a cast album and watching a Tony Awards performance is one thing, but I simply can't judge a show that is this dependent on dance without having seen the real McCoy in full. Those Billy Joel covers can only tell me so much, you know? So we're gonna put you in the Phantom Zone moving out. I apologize. Maybe one day there will be a production in Chicago that I can watch. I'll I'll come back, and I'll give you a full analysis, a full breakdown, and I'll rank you, baby. At that time, I will rank you, but... that's a bridge that I highly doubt I'll be crossing anytime soon. Speaking of the real McCoy, when it comes to show-related ephemera, I wanna hear from the boss himself. That's what everyone calls Billy Joel, right? The boss? I'm pretty sure everyone refers to Billy Joel as the boss. Let's listen to a little bit of Why Should I Worry from the 1988 underrated Disney classic film, Oliver and Company. Oh, this song is so fun. Let's hear it now. The
1: re- the rhythm of the season.
0: Of course, I know that Billy Joel is not known as the boss. I know that. Come on. You knew I was joking, right? He's the big bopper. Okay. So, to determine what show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the Random Number Generator. I named, after that classic Rodgers and Hammerstein show, yippee Yayo: yo The Life and Times of the Baja Men. Everyone ready? Then away we go! let's see, where are we? We are in the year 2010. I'm looking at the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical in 2010. It ran for 1,165 performances, and that show is, do you know it at home? I think you do. That show is Memphis, baby. We're gonna be talking about Memphis next week. Oh, yes, yes, it's true. Do me a favor. Go to patreon.com musicalmanpod and find out how you can support the show financially. Consider Supporting us financially. As a reminder, 100% of every single monthly payout is donated to the Black Lives Matter organization. We do not keep a red cent of that money. It all goes to the Black Lives Matter organization, okay? You can donate one, three, five, or ten dollars a month. If you donate one dollar a month, you get all of this stuff. Listen to this. Just listen, okay? You get Monday early access to all of these main feed episodes, okay? Everybody else has to wait until Wednesday, but you'll get them on Monday. You get a Verbal shout out each and every week. Let's do that now. Thank you for donating at least $1 a month. Anton, Ross, H.J.G., Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marques, Rob, Shauna, Chianti, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, J.C., Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. Thank you. You also get bonus episodes regarding the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, the trailer for Cats, ABC's The Little Mermaid Live, a review of the film Cats, a review of the stage musical Emma, Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, Hamilton via Disney+, Plus. Documentary Now, original cast album, co-op, John Mulaney and the Sag Lodge Bunch, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. That's our complete slate of bonus episodes as of now. Of course, we're going to be producing new bonus episodes throughout the next year, throughout the next couple of years. My God. But you also get season one, 12 episodes of Radio Boy. Now, what is Radio Boy? I normally fly right past this. If If you're new to the show, Radio Boy is a special series for which I check in with myself. It's sort of a journal. It's sort of an audio journal, but I also check in with the songs that make me feel more like myself, okay? Non-musical theater songs, okay? We play them in full. It's a delightful series, but you also get M3, the movie musical man. You get access to all of the episodes from our first batch, and you get access to all of our new episodes that we're producing right now, okay? Our next episode of M3, the movie Musical Man is going to be dropping on January 27th, 2021. And in this series, we talk about trilogies, trios of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme. Our theme for January is the R&R Trilogy. That stands for Rock and Roll, baby. The movies in that movie musical trilogy, Phantom of the Paradise, Voyage of the Rock Aliens, and that Disney Channel classic, Camp Rock, okay? So let's move up one tier to the $3 a month tier. You get everything already described but you also get a musical shout out in the style of a character actor or composer of your choosing you also get season one 10 episodes of wild cats everywhere our high school musical deconstruction podcast But you also get a special one-off episode all about season one of Julie and the Phantoms. If you donate $5 a month, you get everything I've already described. Plus, you get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss on the podcast. You get to pick a musical that we haven't already talked about that was either nominated for or won the Tony Award for Best Musical, and we'll talk about it here, okay? You also get All I Ask of You seasons one and two, the advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera season two just came to an end. That series has now come to an end. We are so proud of it. You will love it, I tell you. You also get Broadway and Chicago reviews. Reviews of those Broadway and Chicago productions. At a certain point, I know that I will be able to go back and start watching those again. I'm looking forward to it. And finally, in this tier, you get Shout About It, Volumes 1 and 2. Those are collections of five, six, seven, eight coffee ads and musical shoutouts from the first 50 episodes of the show. It's true. Finally, in the $10 a month tier, you get everything I've already described, plus the Snub Club Season 1, 12 episodes, okay? That's a special series all about Broadway musicals that were snubbed when it came time to nominate musicals for the Tony Award for Best Musical. They were not nominated. They were snubbed, okay? And starting in April of 2021, we're going to have a brand new $10 a month series. It's going to be called Turn It Off, and it's going to be a bi-weekly show dedicated to off-Broadway musicals. So that's not very far off in the future, okay? Listening to the show. Okay, how do you listen to the show? You might be listening to the show via uh, Apple Podcasts. Why don't you take a moment? This takes no time. This requires no money on your part. Write a five-star review, please. Please, I love reading brand new five-star reviews via Apple Podcasts. Okay, we have 34 right now, and if we can get to 60, 60 five-star reviews, I will release a special episode dedicated to Disney's Zombies franchise. We, we made a similar goal for ourselves, and we released a special episode about Disney's Descendants franchise, if you remember that. Well, we, we have a new goalpost, and that's the new reward, a Zombies episode, okay? So you might be listening to the show via Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, those were streaming options. Podbean is musicalmanpod.podbean.com Follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod, and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com Have you seen Moving Out? Do you like Billy Joel? Oh, what do you want to talk to me about? Send me an email. Thanks as always to Patty and Benny for their, their dedication, their hard work, and Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and Zach Little for our fabulous music. Oh-ho! You know what that sound means? Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh well. We'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, and
2: good night.